0: Every domestic building would have a fire burning probably all the time. There was all sorts of flammable materials in the area. The houses were very close together. In Lancaster, they would have thatched roofs. Continuous worry about fires.
1: In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and future. I'm Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums. Today's object was designed to help save lives. It might not have worked as well as it could, but it was a crucial step in protecting the UK cities from the threat of fire. Today's object is a Newsham fire engine, The fire engine is quite a simple machine, compared to what we think about as a fire engine today. We aren't sure exactly when this one was built, but we do know it is an early design, built to patents developed by Richard Newsham between 1721 and 1725. The engine is 280cm long by 150cm wide and 95cm high. It's essentially a water tank on wheels. From the outside, it looks like a large wooden box painted red, with wheels at the front and back. Rising up from the box is a rectangular framework, also made of red painted wood, which holds a pair of black metal levers which can see-saw up and down on either side. These levers are attached to a metal tank housed inside the main body of the engine, which can just be seen when you peer inside. We spoke to James Horton, tour guide at Lancaster Castle and local history teacher, about the engine. We began by considering how well a fire engine like this might actually have worked in the face of a fire.
0: I suspect it didn't work particularly well. If it was a major fire, the fire engines wouldn't be very effective. It depended on the water supply. It depended on getting there quickly. They would fill it up, presumably before it set off, and hope to refill it if they needed to. Of course, there was no steam engines for moving them at that stage. That's a mid-19th century thing. They were moved either by horses, often a single horse, because they're quite small and light or quite often moved by the people themselves, by the firemen. So it was a mixture of, of the two. Some had horses, some were moved by the people concerned. I mean, towns were very small, so it wouldn't be very far. In the case of the Lancaster one that we have, there was a horse. In some of them, you had to have buckets. They probably had a mixture of the two, but they, in Lancaster, they had a horse. I don't think it'd be, it, it wouldn't have a powerful stream of water, but it would be better than carrying buckets from the engine to the fire and often the equipment wasn't very effective either the hose didn't work properly or the fire buckets were needing repairs It seemed to be very ramshackle sort of way of organizing it it was a hand-pumped engine when the engines came in we're talking really the major invention was i think in the 1700s i think it was called Newsham engine and most of the ones that you see until the mid-19th century are based on that particular design, where you have two handles at either side, like the one in Lancaster. There were variations, obviously, and there was differences in size, so some were much bigger than others. The Lancaster one is a particularly small one. You employ people on a casual basis, they're, they're employed, and they come in and they move the handles up and down, and that's the source of the the supply of water and they were very small and obviously there was a limit to how much water you got so you had to get the water supply from wells or later from the local water supply and they used to put plugs in the in the water supply certainly in manchester they did but they didn't always work you also didn't have the means of escape because the one in lancaster you don't have like later fire engines had a long ladder extending ladder so if someone was there there's pictures one shows sheets where people had tried to climb down it was a very ramshackle sort of affair and there was no training for the people employed they were just brought in and paid a very low wage you're talking after the great fire of london where there was a much more of emphasis i read somewhere that by i think by about 1700 one in ten houses in london were covered by insurance i would guess that in lancaster even in the 19th century it would probably be much lower number than that.
1: So was everyone covered by access to a fire service after the fire of London? Or did they take a more ramshackle approach to coverage as well?
0: There was no real, even local, fire brigade until really the 19th century is when they began. Originally it was the insurance companies. You insured your house... And the fire plates were put on the wall, high up on the wall, so no one stole them. And the number on the plate was the number of the insurance, not the date or anything like that. And they were easily identifiable because uh, some of the firms still exist, like the Sun, uh, Royal RSA, is still in existence. And it had a Sun. And so they were there to identify them for the fire engine from that particular insurance company. And so they would be there to put out the fire on, the, on that property.
1: Next, we asked James about what would happen if he didn't pay for insurance. Would your property simply be left to burn down?
0: There's a bit of uncertainty about this. If you look on the internet, it often says there is a myth that they allow the the buildings to burn down. And then I was told by other people that this wasn't true. And I think, generally speaking, this wasn't true. Very often, insurance companies had reciprocal agreements. And they, they always tried to be the first on the scene so that it looked good for them, for other people buying insurance. So apparently, there was a big battle to be first there. So they had an agreement with each other very often despite the competition between them, but also they could offer to put out the fire if the person owning the building agreed to pay or that sort of thing. Also, there's always a danger. If you don't put out the fire, it's going to spread to a building that is insured by that company. But I was told by someone from the Rochdale Fire Brigade Museum that there was a certain truth that sometimes that could happen, but it wasn't usual for that to happen. The danger of fire was extremely great. Even today, there are lots of fires happening, despite sprinkler systems and, uh, and alarms and so on. In those days, remember, that every domestic building would have a fire burning probably all the time, or more than one fire. There was all sorts of flammable materials in the area. Well, in urban areas, the houses were very close together. In Lancaster, they would have thatched roofs, there would be a wood, timber-framed building. Continuous worry about fires, which could easily spread along the whole of a street. The rules in, in many towns, because there were local rules, were changed at some point, often after fires, so that walls between buildings had to be a certain thickness and there had to be walls going from the basement through to the, the attic. I read in the case of Manchester, that even though that was the law, it didn't actually happen always. In Lancaster, I know there were still many houses. Uh, there were some on the quay, it's got a timber framed basement you can easily knock through from one end to the other. So it was a problem, particularly in Lancaster with a lot of very poor housing. It would be probably less true with the the bigger buildings, the Georgian buildings, but they would be the ones who'd be likely to be insured.
1: But let's get back to our actual fire engine. What do we know about the history of this particular one? And where else would they have been found in the local area?
0: What we know is that the engine in the museum was given to the museum by the Moore Hospital in Lancaster in 1953. Many of those large institutions like that would have their own fire engine. I suspect there might have been one for the Royal Albert Hospital. They acquired it in 1836 at a cost of £120. It is believed, we we can't prove it, that it was already used possibly by the town corporation before then and certainly the design, the design didn't change very much, but it looks like many that were used in the late 17, early 1800s. So it's very likely they bought it as a second-hand machine when the corporation bought a new one. Many big houses had their own, because obviously by the time any fire engine arrived, it would be too late. And many companies had their own. So large factories, I don't know about the ones in Lancaster, but I wouldn't be surprised if Stories and Williamson's, given the sort of material they were working with, didn't have them. I found in the Rochdale Museum two fire engines which were produced for Horrocks's mill in Preston, the largest mill in Preston. There were again this, what we call the Newsham design, which is very similar to Lancaster one, although they were on a much bigger scale.
1: Change to how things were done came slowly and was not a national scheme. James explained how the 19th century saw a patchwork of local fire brigades and new technologies that gradually led us to the modern fire service that we have today.
0: The first municipal fire brigade was in Edinburgh in the 1820s. The Manchester one was 1826. So it's that beginning of the 19th century you had your own public corporation fire brigade because it was obviously in their interest to make sure there wasn't a major fire in the town. But it, again, it was very disorganised, and so some of the insurance companies, I say in the Manchester case, took over the fire engine because it was badly run in the early days, there was no overall person in charge, so it didn't work very well, but it's the beginning of the idea of having a city or a town fire brigade running together with the insurance ones at first but gradually they took over some by mid-19th century, the town fire brigade is established and more efficient lines by then. I think Lancasters when they organised it properly was in the mid-19th century, the so called firefighters they were just people who were brought in on a casual basis and paid a small amount of money as and when they were needed. They still do that, of course, in small fire stations where people have other jobs and come in. What they were there for really was to be able to to pull the handles of them down, so it was a strength rather than any skill. There was no training and there were lots of accidents and many people were killed and injured. I think in Manchester, for example, there was a major fire in the mid nineteenth century and the fire chief and other people died afterwards, presumably affected by smoke. So it was a hazardous job, but they didn't have any real training in how to do it properly. If there was a, a room big enough to use it available, that would become the fire station. It wasn't the fire station as we know it now. One was in Sun Street, then Market Square was a later one. The one in Market Square remained in use until the new town hall was built. And I think the new fire station at the back of the town hall, uh, which still exists as a building, was opened in 1911. By then you had modern fire engines, so you needed a bigger building. And that remained until the new fire station was built in 1960s, 1970s. And then that was replaced very recently.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. We hope you will check out some more of our episodes where we discuss everything from Viking combs to Victorian railways.